0: then partly cloudy with a low of 72. Scattered thunderstorms tomorrow continuing with a high of 83, continuing into tomorrow night with a low of 62, and Friday a 20% chance with a high of 76. Now stay tuned for a Talk Shop. Good evening, welcome to Let's Talk Vets. This is a program produced for vets by vets. I'm your host Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, USAF 1968 to 1972. Our mission is of course to provide news, entertainment and information of particular interest to area vets, active service members and their families. We also hope this feature will broaden the public's understanding of these men and women and their families. Who have answered the call to duty to serve and protect the United States and its citizens at all costs. During the course of this hour, we'll have some national, and regional news plus some upcoming local veterans organizational events. And we'll also have uh, a little uh, interview with John Galena and with uh, Vicky Thomas, both of Purple Heart Homes. Now they are the uh, executive director and director of special projects. And we'll hear more about Purple Heart Homes in a moment. But first, here are some dates of note in, August, in uh, September. VJ Day, of course, victory over Japan, September 2nd. Patriot Day is September the 11th, USAF Birthday September 17th, and the Office of the Secretary of Defense Birthday is September 18th. Citizenship Day is the 24th, and National POW MIA Recognition Day is the 3rd Friday in September. Gold Star Mother's Day is the last Sunday in September. After everything he'd been through was the relatively little things that devastated Dale Beatty. The constant tearing up of his knuckles as he tried to maneuver his wheelchair through doorways that were too narrow in his home. Or not being able to pass through the bathroom door. Had to slide out of his wheelchair, crawl across the floor, and pull himself up by his arms to use the bath or the toilet. It was so demeaning, he said. For John Galena, who knew he would be in physical and psychological pain the rest of his life, it was the loss of his self-confidence and the damage to his short-term memory. Well, that was the first paragraph from a 2011 Reader's Digest Story article by author, correspondent, and WJFF host Jan Goodwin. In that article, Jan recounts the odyssey of two remarkable individuals, John Galena and Dale Beatty, who recently published their first book, Wounded Homecoming, The Uphill Journey of Wounded Veterans from Battlefield to Homefront. Horrifically injured, when an IED exploded under their lightly armored Humvee on November 15, 2004, this memoir recounts how these two men met in the North Carolina National Guard, forged a bond which was tempered by the furnaces of battle and annealed by their personal struggles. Regrettably, Dale Beatty passed away suddenly this past February 12th. It was their shared experience that became the catalyst to establish Purple Heart Homes in 2008. This 501c3 organization is dedicated to refurbishing, retrofitting, and in some cases building new homes for disabled vets from all wars. We spoke with John Galena recently to get his personal insight and viewpoints, before we start, I want to take a moment to remember your friend and co-author of your book, Wounded Homecoming, Dale Beatty, who left February twelfth, two thousand eighteen. His dedication to helping others, in spite of, is truly an inspiration for us all. Now, please accept our sincere condolences.
1: Uh, thank you so much. Uh, you know, as uh, combat wounded veterans coming home from Iraq, you uh, you certainly feel different. In that inspiration, you you don't really it to come from within and you don't really come from somebody that you were serving with and were injured with but being able to watch Dale as a double amputee be able to get up every day face his issues and his own personal struggles but yet have a commitment to go serve others and to help other less fortunate veterans was truly inspiring purple heart
0: homes is a remarkable organization and a testament to U.N. Dale and other vets uh, who cope with severe physical and psychological life-altering injuries. And you guys redirected your lives and found a new purpose in helping other vets. How did the local fiddles Home influence yours and Dale's decision to establish Purple Heart Homes?
1: You know, uh, we came home in uh, 2005, and uh, Dale had spent about 11 months at Walter Reed, and he, he was experiencing life in a wheelchair with you know, big wide sidewalks, nice big sliding doors and accessible, you know, rooms and bathrooms and all that sort of thing. And then suddenly when he made it back to Statesville, North Carolina, our hometown, he found that nothing. And life was a, a continual struggle, crawling on his hands and knees to get to his bathroom and room and to the kids' bedroom to be able to tuck his kids in at night and our community stepped up to him build a home that was fully accessible his parents had donated the land and many of the local home builders had donated their services many suppliers donated some materials and dale ended up with a mortgage for about half the value of the home one day we were sitting back and on his porch and said you know really we got a, a best case reintegration you know we As our generation, we received the best. You know, droves of people were offering jobs to me as in construction when we got home and welcome home myself despite a traumatic brain injury and injuries like post-traumatic stress. I feel different, as I said before, and that acceptance from our community, whether through helping Dale build a house or provide me a job, it made us feel as though we had some value. We had something to give and we started looking around this and we saw that a lot of our brothers and sisters from older generations were in need and this was an area we felt that we could give and we both had a a i believe a servant's heart to you know join the military and want to serve our nation want to serve our community uh through the national guard we were really trained and taught that, how to work in a community and uh, how to help people and so I, I would say that it played a significant role in uh, the way we were welcomed home in um, helping us directionally pay it forward and, and identify where there was need at.
0: So once you got established, tell us a little bit about your first project.
1: Well, you know, it, you don't realize the impact. We, we, I, I'll never forget Kevin Smith uh, was the veteran's name, a Vietnam uh, Navy guy, and, and he, he turns around and uh, we're sitting on his house. I think the most impactful thing wasn't the war stories that were told. It wasn't the work that we that we promised to to do on his house. The most impactful thing was when we stood up to leave and we shook his hand and said, "Tell you welcome home." And a me started flowing. He said he had never been told welcome home. Nearly forty years had passed, and he had never been welcome home and so we knew right then that we were onto something that there's a generation that's been left behind
0: to date how many projects has purple heart homes completed
1: wow well, you know it's real with um at this point we're a little over 350 projects that have been completed uh and i say it's kind of tough to keep up with we have uh, 11 chapters doing projects every day around the nation of purple heart homes now so you know, about once a month I get an accurate number, but the next day somebody's calling and saying, we've completed another one. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just a great amount of need out there. We the United States, and uh, there's, those are men and women that have served uh, our nation and the military, and in some way, shape, or form they were injured uh, while on duty. Now, that may be an injury during training, or it may be a combat injury but they were injured uh, on duty, and men and women that we serve.
0: So the chapters are semi-autonomous to headquarters, and how do they tie in? How do you guys mesh?
1: So, you know, we're a, we're a public charity, and, and with that we have, you know, a very loosely franchised model, uh, essentially, is, is what, and, and, and they are have their board of directors. They have their own incorporation, but they work under our nonprofit umbrella, we provide them the insurance. We provide them the structure. We provide them the the plan of how you know the business model works. And uh, we go out and we train those chapter leaders to be able to raise money and be able to execute projects in their low traffic area in their community. And so money that they raise gets to stay in their community. Work with our national partners at the at the corporate office to do grants, and uh, through corporate partners, be able to provide money back out to those chapters so that they can enhance and do more projects in their community.
0: In your new book, yours and Dale's new book, Wounded Homecoming, you paint a graphic picture of tremendous challenges that you guys both and other vets encounter. Um, It struck me the recurring theme is transition. Could you share with us some of the thoughts that you and I talked about, about the cycle that young recruits experience transitioning in and out of military service?
1: Uh, I will, Doug, and I think it's a a really interesting point. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, how, how our young men and women are recruited and that they're looking for a college education or they're just patriotic and want to serve their nation. But I believe that it, truthfully, that those men and women are looking for purpose and passion. They're looking to become somebody. They're looking to be revered as having contributed to their to their society and to their nation. And not in a selfish way. I don't say that in a selfish way. I think ultimately all of us as people are are looking to find our purpose in life. But I think the military gives those individuals that embrace it, it gives them a meaningful life. And and that in some ways, it's take so many uh, and, and thousands of veterans over the years that we've come in contact with. I hear them say, I was somebody before I was injured, or I had plans to make a lifetime career out of being in the military, and that was stripped away from me. And now I don't know what my purpose is. Right. I don't have, I'm not motivated to go do anything. And so that transition period is is a, a very critical time someone, to to go from having a purpose that's known within a organization to now becoming a civilian and needing to find new purpose and new passion and new meaning to their and in a way have a belief that they're still contributing. I know for myself when I come home my my mom, my dad, you know, family members, lifetime friends told me, said, Hey John, you're a little different now and over time I not only started really believing that I was different. But I started feeling that it was bad. It was a bad difference that people saw. They didn't relate it all veterans feel different when they come home. And unlike most people in society today that want to stand out, I believe veterans just kinda of want to blend in. They just want to be seen as normal. They want to have a whole life. They want to be pat out their work and be able to thrive in their community and in their jobs and with their families. Most often when we get discharged from the military, we go back to the house and there's nobody there that understands or can help guide us to find this new passion. It's just where I think the community uh, has the ability to play a vital role in accepting our young men. Well, to here's, help them make those connections.
0: Here's something interesting and in, in talking with you and and certainly other vets I got the impression that when guys get out of the service especially with a disability that they're kinda of left up to themselves to find the services they need and that these services are there oftentimes but they're all scattered you know, different agencies offering different services and there's no one place that they can go to get the services. And here's an interesting idea I want to get your take on, that given the decentralization of these services to help vets make that transition back to civilian status, uh, one of our New York representatives, Sean Patrick Maloney, just introduced a Know Your Vets Act. Give veterans the option to have their final certificates and discharge paperwork sent to the county veterans service office, based on the location of their retirement/discharge slash discharge from service uh, this notification would allow assistance and ensure the new veteran has a smoother transition back to civilian life in your opinion how much would this help vets find the right fit for themselves their families and their future in the civilian world
1: well i think i think it would be a, a i don't believe it. but what i would say is that's still somewhat relying on our government be able to support our veterans the government's not benefiting from our our veterans it's the communities it's the civilian citizens of our nation that are benefiting and there there needs to be a better awareness of the veterans being home and what their needs are in 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 the public and so while, while getting their discharge information to those community service officers would, would be helpful to be able to have a, a proactive outreach program. I believe that the, the things that have changed uh, over time due to created some levels of apathy. When our men and women deployed for World War II, it took them 30 days to travel across the ocean on a boat to get home. The process of them coming home and them getting off of those boats by the tens of thousands, the parades. There was huge communities that were built and these young women to, to be able to move into homes for their own families because they were just children when they left in many cases, young teenagers, and then they come home in their early 20s. We built entire communities for them. They were victors that were celebrated and everybody knew who was one of those victors in their community. Well, you fast forward that through Korea and transportation changing. The the way we brought home our men and women started changing, started coming home on planes. Some, you know, were were on a different type of boat. Smaller units were coming in different rotations. And so the parades through the apathy of of war kind of diminished. home in big droves and then vietnam comes along and we're coming home two hundred at a time on a plane and there weren't people waiting to celebrate there were people waiting to heckle and and belittle and in the process come back to iraq and not even thinking about all the wars that were in between or the conflicts that were in between vietnam and more than a movie these you know young men and women now are celebrated uh, in a different way, not when we get off the plane with a with a parade, but people uh, clapping, buying them a drink, and then on the 4th of July having a parade and having it in their honor year after year after year. But we're leaving behind a lot of people that are in need, and, and it's very superficial. It's not tangible and concrete assistance that's making a difference. And I know in in some conversations we've had uh, in the past, Doug, you know, I shared with you, I think, you know, one of the the greatest losses for our nation is that these men and women, these veterans, that when they come home, they're not bringing the return, our citizens' investment. Thousands of dollars gets poured into the training of our military, Uh, valuable competencies that could benefit our communities if they were only tapped into by offering more employment to our veterans and putting a community focus on finding the right kind of leaders to help lead our communities. And I think these are proven leaders that have been, uh, in many cases, proven under fire to be able to do things such as lead and hold the first free elections in a nation that's never had that in over 2,000 years of, of history.
0: Switching topics a little bit, uh, you mentioned that Purple Heart Homes is now partnering with municipalities and realtors to acquire properties to rehab for vets. How is that enhancing your organization's ability to help more veterans?
1: Uh, you know, it's, it's really an program. When we formed Purple Heart Homes, we, we were watching all these, uh, uh, you know, bank assets be handed over and given away to, uh, to charities and to veterans. And, and our perspective as disabled veterans was, you know, we don't want to hand out. We want to hand up. We want a little bit of help. And so we developed a program so that a bank or an individual, a municipality, may donate a piece of property to our charity. And then we renovate that property and make it handicap accessible to meet a specific veteran's needs. And then once that house has been renovated and is ready to be turned over to the veteran, it's appraised. The veteran gets a mortgage for 50% of the appraised value. The other 50% of the value is gifted to the veteran as they live in the house, pay their first mortgage, and, and pay their taxes, maintain their insurance and, and the home. Now, what that does for the charity is that 50%, which I think is a great purchase price for a home, but uh, that 50% that comes into the charity then goes to pay for the renovations of a another disabled veteran's home, a veteran that owns their home wheelchair ramp. Or needs their bathroom made handicap accessible so that they can to crawl on their hands and knees to get to get to the toilet or get to the shower.
0: So you're not really a hundred percent self sustaining, but uh, sustainability is certainly built into the way that you're you're funding the organization.
1: We we believe that vets Tibet. And this is a way that a veteran that's receiving help can take some pride in knowing that they're helping somebody else in the process. Who's eligible
0: for help from your organization?
1: As I said before, uh, we assist service-connected disabled veterans, and they span the gamut of age and generation. Uh, I've got a, a nine-year-old Korean veteran we're assisting in Washington D.C. Uh, we've got a, a Vietnam veteran, and canton connecticut that we uh helped a few years back i've got a uh, young marine just uh come off of active duty with a purple heart that we assisted uh with a, a new home hundreds of ramps grab bars, small projects for veterans that you know just don't have the physical ability to go do those things don't have the finances to, to afford to pay somebody else to to go do it And they're living in in a a place of despair because of the condition of inability to, uh, on their own, get out of their situation.
0: How does someone Purple Heart Homes?
1: It's really simple. Uh, They go to our website at purplehearthomesusa.org. You know, basically fill out a request form for an application. And uh, once they've they've met that basic qualification, we'll either mail them out a, a, a copy in the in the U.S. Postal Service, or we'll email them a, a application. Fill that out. They return it. We do a background check. We verify their service. And uh, once they've met the basic qualifications their, of their house and their situation, and come up with a proposed plan of how to how to assist them.
0: At this point, uh, John, you're a relatively young man yet. What's your long term vision for you Oh so
1: it's a really really an interesting question, Doug. You started this just wanting to pay it forward uh one person we just want uh we We really did not uh have a vision of a of a company when this started, but after we saw the impact of that first project with Kevin Smith and we saw the impact of the volunteers and we recognized that there was a need to have a a vessel to be able a conduit for people to be able to connect with veterans uh, there's this major disconnect in who veterans are and where they are and what they need and how to help them and and so our programs are are very repeatable very scalable and uh, we you know, really see a need for a Purple Heart Homes chapter in every community across the nation. And our goal is that we would see a safe place to call home. And that's what we all wanted when we were deployed. I don't care what generation you, you served in, whether it was World War II or Vietnam or Iraq. You, you just wanted to be at home where you knew it was safe. You knew that you were loved and that you were able to live out your journey and achieve you know, your dreams, we really want to see and provide to as many veterans as we can.
0: Well, how's the best way for our listeners to help?
1: There's a, a great many veterans there in the uh, New York and uh, uh, Pennsylvania and Connecticut area. Starting a chapter of Purple Heart Homes are just reaching out to uh, say, hey, I want to volunteer and get involved. Uh, if, if you're not maybe comfortable working through a charity, just go help a veteran. Go give them your time and talents and your ear. Listen to their stories and ask them questions and that you believe that you would want to be helped with if, if physically able. And it, it makes a it makes a big difference.
0: And all the information on, on how to start a chapter, who to get in touch with is on your website, correct?
1: Whether you want to volunteer your your time and talents, whether you want to make a donation, join our our monthly giving club, get updates, and learn more about projects and veterans in your area, or whether you want to start a chapter, just go to our website, phhusa.org or purplehearthomesusa.org, and uh, check us out. You can fill out our contact us form, and we'll have somebody get in touch with you and personalize your involvement.
0: Well, thank you so much, John. This has been really informative, and um, I can't tell you how much this means to me as a veteran, and I think our listeners really appreciate it. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts before we close?
1: Uh, You know, I I just say that, uh, you know, I I love America. I'm I'm proud of my service, and I know that uh, every other veteran uh, is as well. One of the interesting statistics that i i learned recently is that new york has produced more purple hearts than any other state in the nation and and with that i really believe that you know the men and women there are very patriotic and uh, they have that in in their heart and just uh want to see that more veterans are helped they've given so much and i believe that they're worthy of us giving giving them and uh, our support, and so I just uh, make a plea for folks to get involved somehow, somewhere with somebody.
0: Um, certainly admirable what you guys are doing, and what all the people that work with your organization are doing. And again, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time.
1: That's great, Doug, and thank you for your service. Really appreciate you, and appreciate you now to help get the word out. Okay. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, John. Bye bye. Bye bye. This is WJFF Jeffersonville, and you're listening to Let's Talk Best with your host, Doug Sandberg. Uh, we just heard a great interview, a very candid interview with John Galena, co-founder and executive director of Purple Heart Homes. During that interview, John mentioned a project they did for Vietnam vet, Joe Capuro, Joe Recupero, pardon me, and his partner and caregiver, Deb Fiore, in Canton, Connecticut. Well, we wanted to hear more about that project and understand the anatomy of just such a project. So we asked Vicky Thomas, who's Director of Special Projects for Purple Heart Homes, to walk us through the process. We're, we're talking with Vicki Thomas, who's Director of Special Projects for Purple Heart Homes. Good afternoon, Vicky.
2: Good afternoon. How are you?
0: We're great. It was so nice of you to make the time to tell us a little bit about a project that you completed, and that's name is Joe Recupero. You guys completed a project on an existing home to improve his quality of life. Tell us a little bit about that, please.
2: Okay, Joe Recupero is a Vietnam veteran. He served uh, during a difficult time, as most Vietnam veterans did. Joe was drafted, and he was exposed to Agent Orange. As a result, Joe developed severe Parkinson's disease. And so we met Joe through a friend of his. What we find is when we want to help older veterans and to make it easier for them to live safely and and have accessible living, they tend not to self-identify. It is a very proud group of many who were somewhat discouraged, as was the case with Joe, even believing that anyone would ever step in to help him. In the process of being introduced to Joe, both John Galena and I sat on his porch, discussed what we would do, and he still was reluctant and we learned about Joe from another project, because I, when I finish a project, I would ask if you can recommend other veterans that we can help, we would appreciate it. So one of the veterans from the vet center, recommended Joe, told us that he would oftentimes in the winter sleep in his warm truck. His driveway was low and he had to climb up to the back porch to get into his house and there were 18 steps. As a result of having Parkinson's, his legs would not cooperate. So he would sleep in his truck until daylight till he could get into his house. We found that very unacceptable that a, a veteran should live that way. And we told him that we would move his driveway to the front so that he could enter his house, making it level and we would build a ramp to make it accessible we would also build a 300-square-foot addition onto his house so that he would have bathroom, bedroom, and a handicap-accessible bathroom. (laughs) Again, Joe couldn't believe that we would do that, and he asked a lot of questions. He was very skeptical, somewhat mistrusting at first, but John Galena is very convincing and very personable. We made a commitment that we would do this. We engaged in fundraising to do the renovations, and we engaged community to be able to help start the project for Joe. Well,
0: that's certainly a great story, and I watched the film, and you can almost see in the film, you know, how he transitioned to become more open with everybody.
2: Yes, he did. His home was, you know, it was amazing. When we went in, his existing bathroom, which we renovated as well, when you stepped on the floor, his toilet seat almost went through the floor. The, the shower or the bathtub was also a problem. We, we just completely renovated his home. It, it turns out when you open walls on, on many of these homes, you discover that there's more that needs to be done. And uh, we had a great group of, of volunteer people. We renovated his kitchen. Took out uh, the old cabinets and put in new cabinets. We put in new appliances. Uh, We made it so that it was wider, so that his wheelchair would pass through doorways easily and to be able to roll down his ramp. And it really made his life a lot easier. Uh, It made it safer. It allowed him to be independent for as long as he can with his Parkinson's situation.
0: Deb Fiore is Joe's nurse and companion. What were her concerns for Joe when you guys started the project?
2: Her concerns were one of safety, accessibility. And when Joe met Deb and he wanted to have her explain honestly what is the progression of Parkinson's and how is it going to affect me, And Deb explained the whole process of how Parkinson's will evolve, how it will eventually affect him. He's he's a very uh, soft-spoken, gentle man. Obviously, Deb took a, a very fond liking to him, and she was always interested in his safety. She was interested in you know his ability to be independent. Uh, she does the driving, is is a very special lady in in his life. And it's amazing how all of this came together as community watched it, as community participated and became very, very close to Joe. And Joe became very, very close to the people that were working on his home.
0: It's a story within a story.
2: Yes, it, it really is. Joe wanted a service dog and yes, guess they raised funds to be able to get Joe a service dog. This dog is called Colby, and Joe leans on Colby for support. Colby is a really, really great service dog and has added to Joe's life. That kind of brings it full circle. So he has the wonderful nurse and companion. He has the wonderful addition and, and safety in his home. He's managing well for the moment with his Parkinson's.
0: In the film that you guys made about this project, one of the things I found uh, pretty neat was the fact that at one point you said that he wanted the project to slow down so the guys didn't have to leave. (laughs) Yes, he did. We
2: were sitting, you know, here's this mistrustful guy on Vietnam and how these guys were never thanked for their service. They were never welcomed home. He was very open about that. He was very open about how hurt and how devastated it it was to him. And it is has been to many veterans. And so his skepticism was, was founded and justified. But then once we started working with him, he and I were sitting on a bench outside, and he looked at me and he said, can you slow this project down? And I said, gosh, Joe, I said, it's going to be winter, and we want to make sure that everything's buttoned up for you by Christmas so you can have a beautiful Christmas in your in your renovated home and he says oh man he said I would hate to see these guys leave he said I've grown so fond of them and he says they're so respectful of me and they're so he said I'm just so grateful to each one because no one has shown me the type of kindness and appreciation like these guys have done kind of brings tears to your eyes as as I sat there and I listened to him and to hear him speak so genuinely uh, glowingly from his heart of what this meant to him
0: well I you know that you know no two projects could be alike but is this are there any typical points in this project that we're talking about that relate to other projects you've done
2: it's amazing and I find it You know, Purple Heart Homes helps younger veterans who are desiring to be first-time responsible homeowners. I find that the older veterans, they're reluctant to receive help because when we first talked to Joe, he said another veteran deserved help more than he did. And as hard as it was to get around, Joe is not unlike any other older veteran. They're proud. They serve their country. They don't want to ask for help. They've become very self-sufficient, but they live in homes. They're not able to make the renovations to the homes. They live on fixed incomes. Their taxes have gone up, and, you know, they live within their means very strictly. And what we find is that when we help the older veteran, their gratitude and their appreciation is so it, it it just never gets old. It touches your heart. It makes you cry. It is a constant that we find with our older veterans of their gratitude and their appreciation. And it becomes a healing process for them as we work side by side to help improve the quality of their life.
0: Very cathartic for um, both parties, I would say, and everybody yeah. involved, right?
2: Yeah, we had a project we did in Glastonbury, and we had a Vietnam veteran, another one. And this was a project for a Marine. And we brought in Heart nine eleven from New York City. And these were firefighters that literally went to the World Trade Center to help rescue people and to help put the fire out. And they, they formed an organization. And they, it's like an army. Many of these guys are carpenters. And when we built this house in Glastonbury, um, we brought them in to frame it, and they did it in three days. They put the roof on. They put the windows in. That house was pretty buttoned up. And one of our Vietnam veterans was worked side by side, and he asked to make a comment during an event we had. And um, he spoke from the heart, and he talked about how healing this was for him and for 30-some years, he, he carried this grudge, this burden, where he would be very, very angry. And he said to be able to work side by side with all of these people from the community was very cathartic for him, and it helped him heal and let go of the anger that he had for so many years because he knew he was making a difference in someone else's life, and in the process, it made a difference in his life.
0: What a wonderful story. Um, I mean, the whole thing, Purple Heart Homes, is a great story. How did, how did you come to be involved with Purple Heart Homes, and how long have you been with them?
2: Well, I had retired, and, um, and I had been in broadcast. And you learn about cadence in broadcast so that editing is easy. And I heard this voice. And it was a CNN interview with Dale Beatty, and he was sitting on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. He had his iPhone between his legs, the camera panned up, and you saw that he was a double amputee. And he says, hey, I'm Staff Sergeant Dale Beatty. And he says, I'm here with my band to rock him out. And he played the drums as a double amputee. And then he said, me and my battle buddy started Purple Heart Homes to help uh, older veterans be able to live safely in their home. And they did a little clip of helping uh, Mr. Smith uh, with a ramp, another Vietnam veteran. I thought, wow, that is a really cool thing. I'm going to cold call and tell them who I am and what I'll do for them. And I'll do it pro bono. It took them two weeks to call me back. It was John Galena who called me back. And he said, so what makes you so special? (laughs) And I thought, oh, okay. So I said, hey, I said, if you have someone else um, with the Rolodex that I have, you know, by all means, choose the best. And he said, the only way we would consider you is if you flew down to meet us. I said, well, now you're asking me to spend my own money right away. So I said, I'm going to send you some questions that I want you to answer before I do that and i wanted to know where they you know how they were injured tell me their story tell me if you're willing to leave statesville north carolina tell me where you want to be 5 years from now and then i'll tell you if i'm going to come down and i did and i met with both dale and john um we spent the day together and i realized what a genuine wholesome two battle buddies uh I mean, one with the visible injuries of war, Dale as a, as an amputee, and the other as an invisible injuries of war, PTSD, uh, TBI. Um, and when I first started talking with John, he still had the ramifications of his short-term memory loss. And when he picked me up in his pickup truck. He had these stickies on his dashboard. They were very well organized, pink, blue, and green. And I I looked at it and I said, oh, is that the new pocket planner? And he says, no. He said, it's the way that helps me with my short-term memory. And through the times of us talking, I could see his own healing process go on. And I could see how important Purple Heart Homes was to have a passion and to have something that he could focus on, that he truly believed in, it helped him heal. So I um, helped them get on the cover of Time magazine. And um, uh, since we worked with ABC, um, Bob Woodruff did a big interview, uh, and it kind of catapulted PHH, Purple Heart Home from Statesville North Carolina over the top of many uh nonprofits that were formed uh post 9/11 Dale and John were very grateful to be welcomed home and they were very grateful that people treated them so different than they did the Vietnam veterans when John landed in Charlotte when he came home at 1:30 in the morning There were, I think, seven or nine Vietnam veterans there to welcome him home. And, of course, his battle buddy was in Walter Reed, um, learning how to walk with uh, prosthetic legs. Our relationship continued to grow. I then went on staff, um, and I've now been with them nine years. It's just been a great journey for us all to be able to make a difference in the lives of older veterans to help improve their ability to navigate their homes and to be able to live where they want to be at home.
0: I guess the question I'd want to ask you is what do you do in your spare time?
2: (laughs) Yeah. it's, it's, uh, It's just something that I think it's a passion and certainly now with what's going on in our country I believe America has always been great. I believe that I get to see every day what's right when community steps up to be able to say, I want to help, I want to volunteer, what can I do, how can I help, how can I get involved, and it's at the grassroots and community level. Today I have conference calls lined up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, Pensacola, and it's engaging cities, mayors, community, the National League of Cities, funders, uh, banks, and credit unions, and the Home Depot Foundation to be able to support these veterans and to be able to make a commitment to do these needed modifications to these homes, whether it's widening a doorway, building a ramp, installing grab bars, doing the simple things that make a difference, or being able to do something like we did for Joe Recupero where the project was much more extensive.
0: So what is the one thing that you would say to a vet who might be reluctant to ask organizations like PHH for
2: help? Swallow your pride a little bit. And if they have a caregiver, a wife, that is now you're depending on for mobility issues, consider that caregiver and your wife who could use some help also. Think of others besides yourself. Don't be so proud. and Good things happen when you just open yourself up and allow others to step in and, and help you. It makes a, it, it, it gladdens the heart of the community because in many times when you're out of uniform, you don't know that um, that, that person living next door to you is a veteran. And oftentimes they don't talk about their service. And so it enables even the neighbors to suddenly discover, wow, thank you for your service. I didn't know you served, and you've lived next door to me for all these years. Be willing to accept a little bit of help to make life easier so you can live at home and where you want to safely age in place.
0: Well, i got to tell you, between you and John, (laughs) what a great story. Um, I know your schedule is very busy, and so I have to thank you on behalf of our radio station, our listeners here for your time this afternoon. It's been invaluable. And if you have a final thought before we close.
2: Well, Doug, I want to compliment you. I want to compliment you for what you're doing to start a radio dialogue uh, to talk to veterans and to reach out to veterans. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. And if there's a way we can help you uh, be able to get the message out in Summit County and to the area that your radio uh, range is, we're very delighted to help. And we're so grateful you reached out to Purple Heart Homes. And um, um, I can't thank you enough for um, Telling our story and being being um, very diligent about doing an interview, and when you said you're a radio guy and you're not good at interviewing, and the questions you've said, probably the best I've seen. Well, so,
0: thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Unnecessary. <laughs> um, we're trying to do this as 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 you can imagine for the veterans, and it, it was something that was missing. I actually pitched this to another a commercial radio station. And uh, they, for whatever reason, decided it wasn't right for their format. So discovering WJFF, where we get to work for free, uh, <laughs> I decided that this was a great place to do it. But I appreciate your comments. And thank you so much. And we'll be in touch.
2: Okay. Thank right. you, Vicki. Thanks,
0: Doug. We gratefully acknowledge the following people and organizations for their contributions to that segment. John Galena. Executive Director of Purple Heart Homes. Dale Beatty, Co-Founder of Purple Heart Homes. Vicki Thomas, Director of Special Projects for Purple Heart Homes. Joe Recupero, Vietnam Veteran. And Deb Fiore, Joe's nurse, caregiver and companion. And on the way out, we're gonna talk about some news that affects uh, of interest to veterans. So we have an upcoming Stand Down event, we told you last month, happening on September 14th in Monticello, New York, at 2 Jefferson Street, which is also the Ted Strobel Community Center, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Now, Stand Down events provide supplies and services for homeless vets, such as food, shelter, clothing, health screenings, and VA Social Security benefits counseling. Vets can also receive referrals to other assistance, such as health care, housing solutions, employment Substance Use Treatment, and Mental Health Counseling. These are collaborative events coordinated between local VA medical centers and other government agencies, and community-based homeless service providers. more information, you can contact our friend John Crotty at Veterans Service Office in Monticello, 845-807-0233, or email john.crotty at us. New York Representative Maloney introduces the Know Your Vets Act. The transition from the military can be a difficult time for veterans. Some struggle with finding a good job, adjusting to family life, or just feeling at home in the civilian world. Some battle with mental health issues and substance abuse. Veteran Service Offices, or VSOs, are available to assist these new veterans, but VSOs have no way of knowing that a recently discharged veteran has returned home or moved to their community. The Know Your Vets Act would give veterans the option to have their final certificates of discharge paperwork sent to a county VSO based upon the location of their separation from service. That notification would allow VSOs to be proactive and reach out to offer assistance and ensure that new veteran has a smoother transition back to civilian life. Dateline Washington, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, announced that unions can no longer use collective bargaining rights when it comes to professional conduct and patient care by VA providers. Specifically, Secretary Wilkie has taken back rights the VA gave away under a previous administration to preclude collective bargaining on issues related to VA providers, professional conduct, and competence as it affects patient care. And Dateline, Washington, the Honorable Robert Wilkie, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, will deliver opening remarks at the inaugural meeting of the National Gathering of Military Women and Women Veterans Groups to be held this Friday in Atlanta, Georgia. The inaugural meeting of the Military Women's Coalition is bringing together groups from across the country to join forces in creating an unprecedented national coalition dedicated to advocating for the well-being of women veterans and active service members. The coalition advisory group is comprised of eight national and regional organizations Supporting military women it is convening the coalition to influence national policies on behalf of service women and address continued structural and cultural barriers women face during and after their service. More than a hundred service women are going to be in attendance, and more than twenty additional groups that support service members have also registered to attend. There will be forty six women' service groups represented. Effective August 13th, the VA updated portions of its VA schedule for rating disabilities that evaluates conditions related to the skin. Check with your VA health care provider or your Veterans Service office. Military.com Washington reports that the VA wrongly denied benefits to thousands of veterans claiming that they suffer from military sexual trauma potentially causing stress and psychological harm, according to a government watchdog report. The VA denied 5,500 of 12,000 claims submitted in fiscal year 2017 by veterans who said they suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder related to sexual assault that occurred during their military service. According to findings released by the VA Inspector General, 1,300 claims denied during a five-month period last year were rejected without due diligence by the VA. In 740 of those cases, the VA incorrectly denied claims before requesting a medical examination. Quote, The review team found that the staff did not follow required procedures for processing these claims, which potentially resulted in undue stress to veterans. Unquote. The report further states that a mental health provider reported that veterans are confused and upset when the VA denies their claims, and that this undue stress can interfere with the treatment process. Claims for military sexual trauma used to be handled by VA representatives with specialized training. In addition, VA teams that oversee these claims were supposed to make recommendations on how to better handle them, but that process unfortunately stopped in 2016. Based on the findings, the Inspector General has asked the VA to review thousands of claims it denied in fiscal year 2017 and correct any mistakes. The VA agreed, and the agency estimated it would be completed, complete the review by September 30th, 2019. Dateline, Kansas City, Missouri. <clears throat> the uh, Veterans of Foreign Wars of the U.S. is pleased to announce 172 student veterans have been chosen as 2018 fall semester recipients of the VFW's Sports Clips Help a Hero Scholarship. Together, these students, veterans will receive nearly seven hundred ninety thousand in college scholarships. A Help A Hero scholarship provides student veterans with a chance to achieve their educational goals without incurring excessive student loan debt. To date, the Help A Hero program has awarded nearly five million in college tuition assistance and provided scholarships to more than 1,100 service members and veterans. And that's uh, the news for this evening. I want to leave you with a short poem that I heard recently at a veteran's funeral, unfortunately. It's called, It is the Soldier, by Charles M. Provence, U.S. Army. It's the soldier, not the minister, who has given us the freedom of religion. It's the soldier, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of the press. It is the soldier, not the poet, who has given us freedom of speech. It's the soldier, not the campus organizer, who has given us freedom to protest. It's the soldier, not the lawyer, who has given us the right to a free trial. It's the soldier, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It's the soldier who salutes the flag, who serves beneath the flag, and whose coffin is draped with the flag, who allows the protester to burn the flag. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Vets. We'll see you next month, hopefully. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them on the air, both in our normal public service announcement segments and on this program. Email at feedback at wjffradio.org, or you can leave us a voicemail at WJFF, voice box eight four five four three one six five hundred. Until next time, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening, and thank you for your service. Company dismissed.
3: Support comes from you and from the
1: River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com.
0: Support comes from you and from the physicians and nurse midwives of Women's Health Center in Honesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania.
3: The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center, wmh.org. And this is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello, community radio for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. Two minutes to eight o'clock here in Jeffersonville. 82 degrees and fair, mostly clear tonight with a low of 69 overnight. And then tomorrow, scattered thunderstorms possible with a high of 82. Scattered showers possibly continuing into tomorrow night with a low of 61 overnight and a slight chance of showers. Friday morning, high of 74 that day. Friday night, mostly cloudy, low of 56. Saturday, partly sunny, high of 69. And then Saturday night, mostly cloudy, low of 51 overnight. Stay tuned right now for Neonatal Pulse with me, Brad Mann, here on WJFF. All new music for the next two hours, 8 to 10 p.m. this evening. Stick around. Community Radio for Sullivan County, the Catskills, and Northeast Pennsylvania. WJFF 90.5.
1: Support comes from you and from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, New York, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com.
2: Question, what is this? Zeros, generalities, 100, philosophy and psychology, 200, religion, 300, social sciences, 400, languages, 500, natural sciences, math, 600, technology and applied science, 700, fine arts, 800, literature and rhetoric, 900, geography and history, of course. It's the Dewey Decimal System. And on Folk Plus once a year, I like to do what I call Dewey Decimal Folk, linking folk cuts to the Dewey Decimal System, my former profession. Saturday at noon. Dewey Decimal Folk. Hello, this is Dr. C for The Art of Being. For a few moments on Tuesday mornings, I share my thoughts about psychology and spirituality. The philosophy of The Art of Being is we create who we are and the lives we live by the choices we make. The Art of Being can be heard Tuesday mornings at 10 a.m. Through our website, find past episodes and our Twitter feed at www.theaofb.com. Join us and learn how to make better choices.